Welcome to Living Freely Podcast, where our mission is to provide you with down-to-earth topics on mental wellness and realistic tips for living life more balanced and achieving optimal mental health. Living Freely is brought to you by Norfolk Public Libraries in Virginia and hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor and passionate about providing you with strategies and up-to-date information on mental health. Join in weekly for a brand new episode of Living Freely, helping you live well and be well one podcast episode at a time. Hi, welcome back to Living Freely. We are here with another episode today. I've got a lot to cover, so I am going to just jump right into it today. Not much of an introduction, but I am going to be going in-depth to cover as a complement to the last episode where I shared information all about what exactly narcissistic personality disorder is, some of the signs, symptoms, symptoms and the etiology of narcissistic personality disorder in addition to how narcissism, those traits can manifest themselves. And today I wanted to create this complement of an episode where I go and I'm going to be going in depth about what exactly gaslighting is, what love bombing is, and then sharing briefly how the ego is very much intertwined into narcissistic abuse. This is such an important topic and whether or not someone has a full-blown diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder or not, gaslighting and love bombing are tactics that are commonly used by any individual who is looking to gain a sense of control. And in the age that we are living in, I always am about awareness and prevention. And so the more you know is always a good thing. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into it. I found some great resources, which as always, I will link in the show notes so that you can read through things on your own time as well. But I want to go into an article written by Medical News Today on gaslighting and just go ahead and start by defining what exactly is gaslighting. So gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse where a person or group ends up making someone begin to question their sanity. It causes a person to begin questioning their perception of reality or memories. When people experience gaslighting frequently, it can absolutely cause confusion, anxiety, and difficulty being able to trust themselves. And we know that when someone is confused, anxious, or really questioning their reality or questioning, did that really just happen? Or did they say that to me? Or what is going on? The person can sometimes become much more easier to control. And so gaslighting is actually a term that came from a play that was created in 1938, which was then later turned into a movie in 1944 called Gaslight, which I highly recommend. It's a black and white film if you're into that kind of thing. And if not, it is still a very great movie where a husband 
engages in high levels of manipulation towards his wife and causes her to think that she's essentially losing touch with reality because he is dimming their gas-fueled lights in the home, but then telling her that she's hallucinating. And so she, you slowly see this evolution of her seeing her reality. The lights are flickering, they're getting dimmer, and they're coming back on, and he's you know, incessantly telling her, what are you talking about? You're unwell. Something's wrong with you. And she really goes through and experiences the confusion, the anxiety, and then really difficulty in trusting herself. Now, I'm not going to give away the movie, but it does have a very good ending. And that's what I want for all people to be able to recognize when gaslighting is happening. And again, that's why I'm talking about this topic today. So, The National Domestic Violence Hotline tells us that there are certain techniques that a person may use to gaslight someone. And so some specific examples are if someone begins lying to you. So when a person engages in gaslighting, there's often a pattern of habitual and in some cases, pathological lying. And pathological liars are people who lie to lie. There's no real gain. They just get in the habit of of being dishonest, of just not telling the truth. It could be about something small, maybe something they had for lunch to even getting new tires or just very seemingly benign aspects of life, but they lie to just lie and also exhibit those narcissistic tendencies, which I talked about in the previous episode, episode number 55. So when someone lies to you, It can definitely cause that sense of confusion for you, especially, and this is something to really pay attention to, let's say that you do catch someone in a lie and you decide to confront them on it, or you literally have proof of their deception, which I feel in this day and age, it's pretty easy to have proof to back up what you're saying because we chronicle so much with photos and text messages and emails. And so let's say that you, they told you that they were one place, but then maybe you see on their location on their phone or somebody screenshots a text message that they sent them or somebody snaps a photo of them and they were at a completely different place. And their reaction to you confronting them is to tell you that you're making this up, this is all in your head, or I never did that, that never happened, or to tell you you're crazy. These are all really good demonstrations, traits of gaslighting, and it all goes into someone trying to cover them themselves because they've lied to you. So lying to you is that top gaslighting type trait. Maybe not the top, but it's it's one of them and it's up there. So Very Well Mind says, quote, lying and distortion are the cornerstones of gaslighting behavior. Even when you know they are not telling the truth, they can be very convincing. In the end, you start to second 
guess yourself. So when you start to go in and question your reality, or even if you have proof, you start to go back and think, okay, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this isn't really them in the photo. Maybe somebody just Photoshopped this photo. I mean, There have been so many instances that I've heard where people will go to extreme lengths to cover their lie and insert doubt into their victim. So another trait of gaslighting is if someone really begins to discredit you. Very Well Mind also tells us that, quote, people who gaslight spread rumors and gossip about you to others. They may pretend to be worried about you while subtly telling others that you seem emotionally unstable or crazy, end quote. So we know that very unfortunately, this tactic of spreading lies about someone, of even inserting doubt about your authority to others is actually an effective way to split families, to split coworker relationships. And many times people will side with the gaslighter or the bully without fully knowing that full story because the gaslighter is so convincing. They are extremely manipulative and have that uncanny ability to convince people to be on their side. And then the gaslighting takes on another level. If you go to the person, let's say this is now in a workplace and you're dealing with a workplace bully, which is very common. It may not be talked about a whole lot, but there are definitely people who I'm sure you've had to work with, whether currently or in the past, that were just so difficult and they would spread that office gossip And let's say that you become the target and you go to them and you say, you know what? I just found out that you were saying this about me. I would really appreciate it if you would stop. Then the person gaslighting will will again go to that. I don't know what you're talking about. This is about you. This isn't about me. I haven't done anything. Or they may, may even say, well, you deserve it, but never fully caught to what they've done. So they may definitely try to posture as if they have never said a bad thing about you and really even then try to cause you to fully believe that they are innocent. So it's really that ability to play both sides of the coin. So in one way, they're operating under this guise that they are just so innocent, that they haven't done anything, and they are just so concerned about so-and-so and concerned for your wellness but they use that as a ploy to try to manipulate other people into going against you. It is a very insidious, in some ways insidious, covert mechanism to cause a lot of chaos, but then it can also be overt and it can be really loud and in your face and it could be overtly disinviting you from functions or if it's in a family dynamic, you go to a family gathering and people aren't talking to you because the gaslighter has completely turned others against you. So another way that gaslighting can manifest itself is the gaslighter tries to distract you. So when you really go to the person who's gaslighting, 
and you, again, you question them or you call them out for something that they said or did, they may actually completely change the subject and ask you a question about a completely non-unrelated topic instead of directly responding to what's going on that you're bringing to their attention. It's a really good way to throw you off guard and cause you to kind of question yourself and think, I mean, I have even heard some cases where someone has gone to confront someone and say, look, I know that you have done this. And they'll say, oh, well, what did you have for lunch today? Or something that is totally opposite. And it's just done to create an instability, to cause the person who's doing the confronting to question themselves and think, did they not hear me? Did, did they not just hear my question? It's a very passive aggressive way of navigating confrontation on the gaslighters part. And I did an episode, if I'm not mistaken, on passive aggressive communication. So I also highly recommend that you go back and check out that episode if any of this is sounding true to you because I feel that passive aggressiveness and gaslighting also can go hand in hand, just like passive aggressive communication and narcissism can as well. This next one is huge. And when someone is attempting to gaslight you and insert that confusion or cause anxiety, they will almost always minimize your thoughts and your feelings about a particular situation. One of the hallmark statements that gets thrown out, I have just heard it so many times over the course of my years in the field of working with different people. It doesn't matter what gender you are. The gaslighter will most often make statements to not only discredit what you're saying, but to minimize your feelings. They may tell you, oh, you're just too sensitive, you're so touchy, or I can't even talk to you without you getting upset. I was just kidding. And it really seeks to trivialize any emotions that you are feeling and it, it allows the gaslighter to gain that sense of power over you. Because if you're constantly being told that you're overreacting or you're just so sensitive, it can really start to affect a person and cause them to think, okay, well, maybe I am being too sensitive. Maybe I make a big deal out of everything even if it is your feelings and our feelings are valid and our feelings matter. So minimizing thoughts and feelings is a big one. Very Well Mind tells us that, quote, when you deal with someone who never acknowledges your thoughts, feelings, or beliefs, you may begin to question them yourself. What's more, you may never feel validated or understood, which can be extremely isolating, shaming, and difficult to cope with. This is the very confusing part about being engaged in any capacity, work, friendship, or romantic relationship with someone who gaslights. Again, it can be an insidious process. A lot of times it'll start out with the love bombing, which I am going to get into what love bombing is, but it can quickly turn into this gaslighting behavior. Okay, so a couple other key tenets of gaslighting is if the person consistently 
shifts blame or does not acknowledge any responsibility for their role in the situation. So gaslighting can pan out where in the conversation, the discussion ends up turning into how you caused them to act the way that they did. Or in some twisted way, you're the one to blame for something that occurred. I see a lot of individuals who are physically abusive, emotionally abusive, or mentally abusive. They are experts in this manipulative tactic of being able to shift blame and make the victim feel as if it is their fault. If you wouldn't have gotten mad at me, I wouldn't have had to call you this name. If you wouldn't have, if you would have had dinner ready when I got home, I wouldn't have acted the way that I did. I need for you to be better at keeping me happy. I mean, it it can be all over the spectrum here. So even if you try to discuss how the gaslighter's behavior makes you feel, If you notice that this person constantly twists the conversation so that you start to end up questioning if you really did cause their bad behavior, this is a sign that we are getting into gaslighting behavior and gaslighting territory. Okay, so then somebody who gaslights will also just completely flat out deny any wrongdoing. And this goes into denying responsibility, denying taking ownership over something. When somebody engages in bullying or abusive behaviors, they are very, very often well known for denying that they've done anything wrong. They are very much able to create their own reality of the situation that is often extremely skewed. This ultimately goes into, again, minimizing the feelings and emotions of the person who is the victim. It can cause the victim to feel as if their needs are not important, as if they this impact that the abusive individual has had on them is of no importance. And when we don't feel seen and heard, and the person, people who we are closest to are contributing to you not feeling seen or heard or consistently telling you you're just too sensitive or you make such a big deal out of everything or you are the difficult one, this can really make it very difficult for the victim to move on or heal from that abusive behavior. So if any of this ever, if it's resonating with you, if it's striking a chord, this is also always a great reason to engage in individual counseling. Because as always, you know, quick disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for any professional help. It's only here for education and it is so valuable and it's such a different experience to go and sit in that therapy chair or in this day and age, get the online counseling and sit in a comfortable place in your home and talk through specifics of your situation. I cannot recommend it enough and resources are always linked in the show notes below. Okay. Last couple of ones, because these are just so important, are sometimes the gaslighter will use very seemingly compassionate language as weapons. So 
they may say something like, you know that I love you. You know that you mean so much to me. I never would have hurt you on purpose. And of course, this can sound really good in the moment. It can fulfill that emotional need of, oh, okay, they're saying that they love me. It was an accident. But when we really start to pick this apart, it's another form of manipulation because if someone really does love you, then abuse won't be present at all. And that is a key distinction here is someone can easily say different things, but it's always important to look at the actions to see if they're following because true love and whether it's a familial love, it's your family love, it's a friendship love, or it's in the workplace and your boss or a coworker comes to you and says, you know how much I respect you. I never meant to hurt you. Respect isn't abusive. Love is not abusive either. Okay, last but not least, this one is a biggie, is when someone gaslights, they recreate history. They completely recreate a different scenario where you look at that situation and you may think, gosh, I do not remember it happening like that, but they're telling me that it did. And it is a very strange phenomenon. If you've ever been in a situation like this, then you probably already know that this can be very confusing how the gaslighter twists that story and they, they, can just cause you to start to rethink and doubt your own memory of what happened. So Very Well Mind gives a nice quick recap here that tells us that ultimately, quote, gaslighting can include a range of tactics, including lying, distracting, minimizing, denying, and blaming. When you are dealing with someone who uses gaslighting as a manipulation tool, Pay close attention to what they do, not the words they choose, end quote. And that is definitely where the behaviors, the actions must match up to the words being said. Really quickly, and I know I'm throwing a ton of information at you, but there is just so much when it comes to gaslighting. A couple key tenets to help you recognize if you are in a gaslighting relationship of any kind, these are things that will happen. You may doubt your feelings and reality. You may question your judgment and perceptions. You may pretty consistently feel insecure. You may feel isolated and powerless over the situation. You may have been convinced that other people think that you're strange or unstable or just too sensitive. You are disappointed in yourself and who you have become. There is a sense of confusion that you you feel most of the time. You spend a lot of time apologizing for really, if you look at it, somebody else's bad behavior, but they've tricked you into thinking it's your fault. You second guess yourself. You wonder what's wrong with you. And you struggle to make decisions because you don't have that strong intact level of trust within yourself. So these are all the hallmark criterion of gaslighting and how this happens. Now, I want to get into how does somebody maybe become involved with someone who is a gaslighter? And 
First of all, this can happen to anyone. We, No one is immune to being involved with somebody who is abusive, with a group that ends up being ab- abusive or a workplace because at different points in our lives, we are vulnerable. We are susceptible. If you're going through major life transitions, if you are struggling emotionally, and you meet someone who bestows so much attention on you and just showers you with love and affection, then this can easily manipulate you into becoming involved with them. And this is also a hallmark and key sign of what it means to be love-bombed. Believe it or not, the term love bombing actually originated from a high control cultic group and was a recruitment tactic that they used to indoctrinate people into their organization. And since then, it's become pretty mainstream terminology to describe romantic relationships or even toxic workplaces that love bomb you in the beginning and use that coercion and manipulation to bring you into the fold. And so really quickly, Very Well Health tells us that love bombing, quote, refers to behavior patterns where at the beginning of the relationship, a partner showers the other with over-the-top attention and affection, end quote. And so some of the specifics of how this showering of over-the-top attention and affection can play out include someone giving you excessive gifts or introducing you very early on to important people. In romantic relationships, this can play out with someone saying, I love you very quickly. I mean, whether it's after the first date or the first week of knowing someone, if someone tries to move the relationship on really quickly, this is potentially a red flag. Another piece is if someone wants you to move in with them as soon as possible. I mean, you go on the first date, which seems even excessive, and then the next thing you know, it's been two weeks and they're saying, move in with me. You are the love of my life. I've never found anyone like you. You're perfect. If someone tells you that you are perfect, I know it can feel really good, but this is a red flag. No one's perfect. And when someone love bombs you, they idealize you. In their mind, you may be perfect. You may be this unbelievable person who they find no fault with. But when someone idealizes uh, uh, their their object of their affection, when the love bomber idealizes their victim really – idealization can only go on for so long and then the person can quickly begin to, the love bomber can quickly begin to start to find fault with you and that's when the gaslighting starts to happen. They can become hypercritical of who you are. The things that they used to love about you now become issues in the relationship or maybe they used to love the way that you dressed and they would tell you you are just so beautiful or handsome. 
I love how you take care of yourself. But then a couple months into the relationship, they they start saying, you know what, why do you dress up like that? Are you just trying to get attention from other people? It's almost like they use the things that they once loved about you against you. But certainly, if there is the influx of compliments and it, it's just the the things that tell you, they're telling you you're perfect, you'd never do anything wrong, we're going to be together forever. These are red flags and I hate to say that. And, and maybe in some relationships it ends up working out and it, it goes really well, but I am telling you this to encourage you to always keep one eye open. Because maybe the relationship does work out, but really in those early stages, how does somebody truly love you after a week? How do they know that you're going to be together forever? You're in such the honeymoon period of the relationship. Everything looks rosy. But then once real life starts to come into play and stressors and issues, then it easily, that love bombing can turn to, again, that hypercritical type relationship, relationships and dynamics. Real, authentic relationships absolutely develop over time. They are a series of interactions with your other half and connecting on deeper levels. I always like to think of it as, pulling the layers of an onion off one at a time. You are a multi-layered person. There is so much more to you than your career, your intellect, your appearance, what you've done in your life, where you've been. And a love bomber is so skilled at harping in on one piece of you that you maybe have pride in and capitalizing on that and really manipulating their victim into feeling like the most special person in the world. But again, I can't say it enough. It only lasts for a period of time. I don't know if you are familiar with the Netflix documentary called The Tender Swindler, But it is on Netflix. I highly recommend it because it was a really great example of how love bombing took place at an extreme level. I mean, this individual met the the love bomber, met their victim, and swept her off her feet, took her on a plane trip, I believe overseas somewhere, and that was on their first date, then introduced her to his child, which if you are a parent listening in, if you're a single parent, then you know that's a huge deal and often comes After a period of trust has been established, after you know that this person is going to be solid and stay in your life for a while, but the Tinder swindler on the first date introduced his child to his new love interest and then definitely ended up scamming this person out of actually a lot of money. That's a whole other side of this I won't get into, but basically it it was just an interesting representation of the -the over-the-top gifts that occurred, the excessive admiration and adoration that then after a period of time was not sustainable. So another indication that love bombing could be going on is if this person contacts you around the clock or wants all of your time. So in this day and age, this can look like sending you just a, just an, an 
huge amount of text messages over the course of the day. In some cases, the person won't even wait until you respond and they're just texting, texting, texting paragraphs or or little sweet nothings over and over and it feels overwhelming. So if you're in a new relationship or this can even happen in a job, if you feel overwhelmed by the influx of flattery and attention, this is a potential red flag because I, I've always noticed this even in the workplace, and that's why I bring this up. When you start a new job, there's often the honeymoon period. Everyone's on their best behavior. They seem like a happy working unit. But after you're there for a period of time, people can only maintain their best behavior for so long. And then things start slipping through the cracks. You see who has issues with who, who kind of says the snarky comments under their breath about who, who has the issues with the boss, who's the favorite. And it's the same with romantic relationships. A love bomber will be on their best behavior in the beginning. It's the honeymoon, but that can only sustain for a period of time. But if you feel overwhelmed at the influx of communication or they are constantly just pushing, pushing to always hang out, you feel like you don't even have a second to breathe, you are always allowed to slow the relationship down and regain your footing and and take a step back because it's in these moments where we feel overwhelmed even if you're experiencing a panic attack, this tells you you've got to take a step back and really relax and really critically think about the situation and what's going on. Okay, so another hallmarker of love bombing is if the person you're dating, I want to also say the workplace, if they really posture and try to mold themselves to be the person who they believe you want them to be. So love bombing is very consistent with narcissism. And we know that when someone has these narcissistic traits or a full-blown diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder, they are expert at morphing themselves into whatever the situation calls for. I call it the chameleon-esque phenomenon where – they're, you know, you're in the workplace and they need somebody who's, you know, wearing a suit and buttoned up and super professional. That person can chameleon themselves into that. But then it's the weekend and they have a meeting at a ballpark to, you know, make connections. Then they're wearing that baseball cap, drinking and and quickly have morphed into who that person is. And so it's very important to recognize is this person agreeing with everything that I'm saying, even in a job interview? Are they just agreeing with what you're saying or is your date just agreeing with everything that you're saying? They aren't they aren't really showing you their true thoughts about something? Then we need to take note of it because this is where love bombing can be happening. It can show up as inconsistencies in what they've said when they first met you versus what they're saying now and how they're acting now. In and of itself, that is a form of gaslighting. 
by being that chameleon, telling you what you want to hear in the beginning. In a romantic relationship, this could look like, you know, agreeing with you that they would love to have three children one day, move to Minnesota or wherever, and then six months into it, they're telling you, I don't want kids and I want to move to New York. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what what happened? Because that's not who they they claim to be in the beginning. This is a potential love bomb situation. Okay, so probably one of the most important aspects of love bombing is that the love bomber will almost always guilt you because you are trying to place boundaries, because you're trying to set healthy boundaries. So if you tell your date that, you know, I just don't know if I'm there yet in terms of feeling like I love you, and they try to guilt you and say, oh, well, you you must really have difficulty with romantic relationships then. Or, wow, I really made myself vulnerable and said I love you and you're not even going to say it back. Then the red, red flag. The flags are flying at this point and this is something to not lose sight of because when someone truly respects you, they will respect your boundaries. We all are walking around with our lived experiences of – being in this life and hardships that we've gone through and to set healthy boundaries to protect yourself and keep yourself safe emotionally and physically and mentally is never a negative thing. And so when someone tries to use that guilt or gaslight you into telling you that you're too sensitive or you have too many baggage, too many issues from your past, and that's why you're not letting them in. This is problematic. And if you ever feel confusion over this, absolutely seek out therapy or at the very least reach out to a really trusted friend or family member who also is not going to guilt you but is going to listen to you and give you some honest feedback. Because again, that that baggage, the proverbial baggage that we all do carry around. And I know baggage kind of gets a bad rep, but really the the lived experiences that we have and maybe difficult family of origin and upbringing or traumatic experiences, they can cause walls to go up. But sometimes those walls are there for a reason and trust has to be built between you and your romantic partner before you let the walls down. And so patience is key for that other person, but a love bomber does not have patience. And in fact, another red flag of love bombing is if they push you into committing to something really quickly and really early on. So this can manifest itself if they make the relationship official or they want to right away. And again, These things, this is the tricky part about love bombing, especially if you've been single for a while or if you have been wanting a new job for a while and this job offer comes along and it's not exactly what you want. Maybe you felt things were a little funky with the the manager there, but they, they say, uh, we want to hire you and you've only talked to them for 10 minutes or you've only gone out on one date and somebody says, you're the love of my life, let's let's make it official or I, I'm going to marry you one day. 
this can be a red flag. And so again, this goes into potentially not respecting the natural course that a relationship should take in that a an authentic relationship takes time. There should not be that overwhelm in the beginning or overwhelming push for you to do anything that you are not comfortable with. So even if you tell the potential new job, hey, I need 24 to 48 hours to think about the offer that you've given me and then I'll get back to you, and you notice that that manager gets a little gets a little bit of an attitude or says, well, so you just don't want the job or starts to get pushy, let's just keep our eye on that. Let's make a mental note. And this can also show up, of course, in romantic relationships, but just generalizing here because love bombing happens in all kinds of situations. So really, when we think about love bombing, it absolutely can present itself in these particular ways. I think it's very important to recognize that if somebody is guilting you for having boundaries, if they're engaging in gaslighting, if they are pushing you into doing something really quickly that you just don't feel ready to do, if they're engaging in the chameleon-esque mentality where they're molding themselves to be someone who they think you want them to be and you're starting to notice inconsistencies or they're introducing you to really important people very, very early on, showering you with incessant communication, very over-the-top expensive gifts, And again, wanting to take all of your time, pay attention because these are all red flags. Although, again, they feel good, they can definitely be signs of love bombing that absolutely we have got to pay attention to. So I'm going to round out today's episode with taking a little quick tour of what the ego is and why this is important to know about when it comes to dealing with narcissism as well as dealing with individuals who both gaslight and engage in love bombing. So taking a quick tour back to Psychology 101 – In psychoanalytic theory, an ego is considered to be the portion of the human personality which is experienced as the self or I, and it's in contact with the external world, so the world around us, and how we perceive the external world. So when we look at how the ego can manifest itself in everyday life, this is the piece I find to be very fascinating. And I am pulling some of this from Britannica, where it very much gives a great short and sweet kind of definitional approach to the ego development and the ego strength. And so the piece here is that when the ego starts to really fully develop and is intact and is strong and is healthy, then there are going to be some intact objectivity in one's view of the external world. So basically what that means is that someone with a really strong ego isn't going to allow 
all the external messages from the world to affect the way that you view yourself. You basically have that intact view of who you are, strong sense of self-knowledge, insight. Does this mean that you're going to be perfect at it all the time? Absolutely not. But For the most part, when you have that strong, intact ego, you have the insight, you have that capacity to be objective and say, you know what, I did receive that negative feedback from so-and-so, but I trust myself, I know myself, and that's not who I am. So you're able to really differentiate things. When we apply ego and the fragility of ego to somebody who is narcissistic, then we see that there is that strong correlation that the ego is, as I've already said, extremely fragile. And in fact, they're kind of letting the external world run them. Of course, someone with narcissism, it's all about them. And they function basically trying to meet their own needs But they are so sensitive to anything going on. And that's where this whole morphing into who other people want them to be comes into play. So you're out on the date with somebody and you're telling them your wants, your desires, your stance on different things. And the person is agreeing with you hook, line, and sinker and definitely becoming that chameleon into who you want to be. They're allowing the external world to go into how they are choosing what their views are for that time, just trying to go with the flow. So the person who has a strong ego can also resist immediate environmental and social pressure while continuing to contemplate and think about what their next best course of action is. So not allowing emotions to overwhelm them, but instead they're going to resist that immediate social pressure, environmental pressure, again, If you have a strong ego, are you going to be perfect at this all the time? Absolutely not. This all goes into how tired you may feel or what's going on in your world, and it can influence how well you're able to kind of stay strong in the midst of this difficult environment that we all live in. But I just share all of this with you because it just goes into, again, It's pretty much the antithesis. It's the opposite of how someone who is narcissistic functions. They aren't able to resist environmental and social pressures. And a lot of times they'll succumb to them. They'll become whoever that group is wanting them to be, whoever that person in the relationship is wanting them to be. And When somebody maybe doesn't have a strong ego, and in fact, it's more so considered a weak, weaker ego, they're often characterized by having traits such as impulsivity or a need for instant gratification, a sense of inferiority or a flat-out inferiority complex a very fragile sense of identity, very unstable emotions, and excessive vulnerability. So in the last episode, I went into what covert and overt narcissism is. And we know that 
covert narcissism really lends its hand to someone who's narcissistic with extreme vulnerability. So even at that slightest perception that you're criticizing them, it is very difficult for them to handle it and they lash out. And that's where the unstable emotionality starts to thrive. And so it's just important to know how the ego comes into play. Maybe that's the psychology nerd in me wanting to talk about this, but I find it to be very fascinating. So many things are so interconnected when it comes to these different personality dynamics. And again, knowledge is power. The more that you know, the better I think a person can fare in their relationships, in the workplace. And so these love bombing and gaslighting techniques are out there. I just want you to arm yourself with knowledge. I really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. I definitely, this kind of topic and and talking about this to create awareness and prevention. It really lights me up. And so hopefully you have enjoyed it. As always, continue to take really, really good care of yourself. I cannot wait to be back next week. Got some more great episodes coming up. So take good care of yourself. As always, live well and be well. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Living Freely Podcast today. As always, the information in this episode is not intended to diagnose or treat. It is highly recommended to find a provider in your area or by going to www.psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area. If you have enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to rate and review our podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, so that we are able to be seen by more people wanting to get information on mental health and wellness. Thanks so much again for tuning in. We'll look forward to seeing you next week for an all new episode. Be well.